0: Hello, spiritual trailblazers, and welcome to another great episode. You are definitely in for a treat. We have Matt Newman here, and he's going to talk about his book, his life, and give us so many great tidbits. So Matthew Newman is a father, husband, and financial services wholesaler by day. Matthew authored the bestseller, Starting at the Finish Line, and now travels the world delivering keynote talks to audiences of thousands. His battle with brain cancer at a young age, coupled with his financial planning expertise, helps audiences learn and be motivated by Matthew's preparation for the unthinkable and his successful battle with cancer three uh, TEDx talks, multiple interviews, such as with ESPN and podcasts, and he's a Philly native. Welcome, Matt.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me. That sounds like a really good resume right there. That's
0: a pretty good (laughs) resume. (laughs) And the show is done. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I have to say, I thoroughly enjoyed your book. I I really did. Thank you. Oh, you're most welcome. I haven't been that like good emotional since i saw a movie like years ago and i just felt like so much was uh released for me personally i i identify you talked about your grandmother and your stepfather my grandmother passed away from cancer and uh it's it was very interesting for you to do that so one of my first questions this, this is the easy one yeah. how long did it take you to write the book <laughs>
1: I'll tell you something interesting. So it's funny, you learn these amazing lessons when you go through difficult times in life, and we can be gifted with these new set of lenses. It's hard to sometimes digest it as a gift because you're going through difficult times, but you get this clarity on life and this better understanding of of how fragile things can be and how lucky we are. What's, What's interesting about the writing, to answer your question to make it a little bit longer, is I was never a writer. I never really wrote. It was nothing that really caught my attention. You know, I I was always good at putting stuff together for business and all this, but that was it. So what happened is after I went through everything that I went through, I started to have this optimism as I just talked about, but the reality is when you go through something difficult, you're, you're pushing something down into your belly, whether it's negativity, anxiety, fear, whatever it is, my outlet became writing. Mm. I would send emails out to friends and family on my perspective, my understanding of life, this new gift that I've been given. And I did it for me. I never expected anyone to read them. I didn't care. It was almost like vomit. You're getting it out of your system. I found that catharsis in order to deal with what I was dealing with. And four years into it, we had 20,000 people following us. I wasn't looking for followers. Every day I would get, could you put this person on, put that person. I never (laughs) really thought about it. And what happened is I started to write a book. And I can honestly tell you, I wrote that for me. I wrote it to make myself feel better. So it took me call it, well, it took me about three, four months to write it. But then I had to redo the everything at the end because we had a crazy situation happen that you read about with a helicopter that you would have yeah. never expected in a million years. So what's fascinating is when it comes out on March 23rd, 2018, I call my mom up in Northern Jersey. I go, hey, ma, the book's coming out today. And I'm going to tell you exactly what she said word, to word, word for word to me over the phone. You know no one's ever going to buy it, right? I like, oh, God, what
0: you <laughs> Thanks, Mom. Oh, are you kidding me? I'm
1: some jerk. What do they care about me? She goes, but you're going to put three copies in your safe. So when your kids are old enough, they'll be able to read what really happened. Mm-hmm. I said, yeah, Mom, I couldn't agree with you more. And a week later, we were a bestseller in four different categories, and my jaw dropped. There was no business plan. There was no ghost ride. I literally did it to make myself feel better. And it showed me what people really want. They want realness and purity. Mm. That's what they're looking for.
0: Yeah. It, yeah. Your book is, is raw and, and I love it how you were just, and, and I, I highlighted so many parts in your book when you had your, your first declaration when you're like, you know, fuck cancer, fuck, you know, I was just like, Yes yes, this, yeah,
1: <laughs> that's true. That is what, that is exactly the way, the way it happened. It, it's emotion that pours out of you. And rather than trying to hold it in, you know, to me, it was, I want people to know what happened, like the realness, the the reality of what happened, not, not frame it into this rainbows and unicorn story that everybody's giving right. hugs and kisses at the end. Listen, it was a really difficult experience to go through that I'll never fully be through at, at any point. But I wanted it to come out and I'll show you a, f- a funny story. So I was giving a speech in Utah and they asked me to, to to really just watch my language for religious reasons. I said, absolutely. I'll do whatever you want. We have the utmost respect for anybody who's going to come here. And the guy says, he goes, we read your book. You know, it was, it was amazing. There's a lot of F words. I should have said, and you know what I said to him at the end? You should have seen how many we took out. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> That's true. I love it. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, I, I love that because, uh, well, one, I, I asked that question because when people go through things, large or small, they, they want to know, when is this over? When is it going to be over? How, you know, all these other questions pop up. So when it comes time to do that self-reflection or even talk about it, it's like, man, I had to spend X amount of time doing this. So to just document it as you go along or even just mentally thinking about it and doing it for yourself is so important as opposed to just trying to get something out there to tell a story for whatever reason it's so much better when you just get it out your system for yourself and stay true to you so that's one another reason why I wanted to just uh talk about that and and when you write stuff down it's like wow like that that was me three months ago and now look where I'm at and we can pull from that whenever we need a little bit of extra strength and, and you even uh, mentioned a few uh, keywords that I, I have here. And, and this, this is for me, I felt like your, your book has several themes that included preparation, confidence and support system.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, would you say like, those are some of the main overarching themes of the book that people can look forward to when they are going to read it?
1: You know, it's an excellent question because my answer is going to be something you wouldn't expect. I understand now when people write music and a lot of times they'll write songs and you know, this, this couple will decide they're going to pick XYZ song. It's going to be their wedding song. They're going to get married to it. It hits them in the heart. Every time they hear it, it's about them. And one day they interview the guy who wrote the song and they go, what'd you write the song about? He goes, well, I wrote about my dog running in the backyard one day. And you realize that the way they perceived it is completely different than the way he wrote it. So it. Other musicians, one is a guy named Robert Hunter, who was a lead lyricist for The Grateful Dead. They, won't, they wouldn't do interviews. They don't want to impede the way anybody looks at it. And however you per- perceive it, great, take it with you. However I wrote it doesn't matter. It's what you're taking away from it. So I can honestly tell you I didn't write it about any of this stuff. My, my book uh, went high on financial planning, on insurance, on cancer, on support, and all these categories I can tell you, I just was getting it out of my system to make myself feel better. If you want my aftermath perspective on it, I think it's a story in general about strength, about family and support, as you mentioned, and about preparation. I would say those those are the big three right there. But that's me saying it after the fact, that never went into me writing it. I was just documenting my perspective on everything. And I'll share something else with you too. When I wrote that, I was not on social media. I fought being on social media like you wouldn't believe. I wanted nothing to do with it. I didn't want to be on Facebook. Didn't want to be on Instagram. Didn't want to be on anything. I heard about these negative underbellies, and I didn't really need to see a bunch of old friends' pictures of their kids and stuff like that. <laughs> this, was, this was a gift, being on, being on social media, because if it's used the right way, there's no limit on the amount of people you can touch and you can reach and you can connect with. I talk with people all over the world about their experiences. And what you find is that some people just want to talk about it with other people who've been through something similar on a similar path to them, Mm -hmm. a, a similar journey. They don't want to talk about it with other people. And with great power comes great responsibility. And I have no power, but I feel that by me putting it out there, social media gave me the opportunity to, just be someone else's catharsis and let them know they're not alone and let uh, you know, and, and keep them focused. And it's been an honor to be a part of that. I'm very grateful for that.
0: Yeah. And, and that's one of the uh, ways I identified with your story in your book is that relationship you talked about between you and your father-in-law and speaking about going with experiencing cancer with someone who's experienced it and, and, uh, and having that, that uh I hmm, I want to say like like that sacred space, but also it is more like just that space, like you said, with people who been through it, understand it, there's really something to say about that. And so for those people who are looking for someone who's going through something like them and they can't seem to find that do you have any tips to help them? Where can they look? Is there a, like uh, maybe a set of keywords, something that they can do to help them find someone like that?
1: Yeah. Th- listen, there's a lot of support groups that are out there. Some of them are probably awful. The ones that I've been affiliated with have been very good. It's just people looking looking to bounce stuff off other people. But what I found too, and this is my perspective, and you read about this, I didn't like when people treated me like a cancer person. Mm-hmm. I like when they treated me like me. and. I would get all these nice people going, Hey bud, how you doing? And I wanted to be like, go fuck yourself. Leave me the hell alone. Like I I know they meant well, I know their heart was in the right spot, but I define myself. I create my legacy. If I allow the disease to come in and take that over, that's on my shoulders. Just like anybody else listening to this, whatever you're going to be remembered for is on you. Something may take you physically. It will never take you spiritually. And you'll always have that connection with people, maybe from just a different perspective and a different genre. But the reality is, is everything we're going to be remembered for is on our shoulders. And I did not want to be remembered as the cancer guy. I wanted to be remembered as me. And you probably read about them. Uh, All these gifts would come into my house. I was so, so lucky to be. Supported by so many friends and family. And for those that don't have support, those are the ones that need to find those keywords, like you're talking about, to make sure they have other people to bounce things off of. But all these people would send me gifts and flowers. And I was so humbled and so honored. Hey, buddy, get better. And then I got a package from a good buddy of mine in Chicago. Him and then I were big, big whiskey fans. We loved to catch up when we, were, when we would work together and, and go and grab a cocktail or something like that. And he sent me a bottle of our favorite whiskey whistle pick it. inside there was a note that said, "Can now get off your ass and drink this thing, man."
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That reason that was my favorite gift is because he treated me like me mm-hmm. he didn't treat me like anybody else, so I would tell you sympathy and empathy are great, but I always recommend talk to them like they're 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 right because in their minds they are they're dealing with something, but that doesn't make them you know any any different from their perspective, or, you know, exist in a different fashion. So for everybody looking for support, go find good support groups. Um, you'd be surprised how many people that have all these followers, and all this other stuff, will get back to you directly if you're on a similar journey than they are. And I know it's happened to me. And I know I do it for others, try and pay it forward.
0: Yeah, that's so beautiful. And it really helps the person as a whole, because just as you were saying, they already know what they're going through. They know that their body's doing these weird things, but if we can focus on what's going to pull in on the the strength, that's going to help them to continue on. I, and I've I've seen this personally too with my grandmother, that is what they need because when when you're focusing on the, Oh, and the, Oh man, it doesn't help the situation. I mean, it's, It's nice, but we need to focus on you know where we direct our energy. That's what the emphasis goes towards in life. So yeah, I just think that's really great to really focus that way, than to be remembered as something that's not you.
1: That's that's exactly right. It's not, and and we do own that. And we could sit here and 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 there's things we're going to go through that there's nothing we can do. I don't think of my father-in-law when he passed a pancreatic cancer as a pancreatic cancer. I just think of him as Larry. Mm-hmm. And I think of it because of the way he handled himself, with the with the with the dignity and the independence that he took. He never bitched, he never moaned, he never complained. He took on this horrible situation, but all he wanted to do was see all his grandkids born. He wanted to right. have them be old enough to have real memories of him. And he never acted like a cancer patient. Listen, we had to drive my my wife every day, as you read about, drove him right down near you at the University of Pennsylvania Hospital mm-hmm. every day, back and forth, going, and he never. He, he was Larry to me. And even though he was my cancer partner, he showed me the way to act. It, it stopped my belief in coincidence and irony and started to have more of a belief in things happen for a reason that he got cancer before I did to show me the proper way to hold yourself and how to have dignity. But I never to this day think of him years after he's passed as, oh, he was a pancreatic cancer guy. He was Larry because he defined himself
0: hmm. That's so true. I, I don't think of my grandmother as someone who died from lung cancer. I think of her as my grandmother who taught me so many things and she happened to die from uh, lung cancer. That's very true. Very, yeah. very true. So it seemed like you've been debunking a lot of things, even though, you know, you wrote this book for yourself, the way you're explaining, hey, look, this is not how I'm going to remember my father-in-law. This is not going to define me. So what are some of the things that you help people to debunk while you're giving your speeches or anyone who messages you?
1: It's interesting. Everybody's individual and... (laughs) Some people are just looking for support. And what I noticed, I, I noticed when I started giving these speeches and speeches are like, we'll go back to like the a band again. You start in this little, little bar, you're playing in front of a few people and you have this great connection and you understand that people are sick of the shtick. They don't want some canned speech. They don't want some dude flipping 9 million PowerPoints that they're not paying any attention to. They want something that's real, something that hits them in the heartstrings, something that it, they've crossed journeys with and passed with at some point in their life because cancer is everywhere. And what I started to realize was that the people that I was connecting with these small little places, it didn't matter if they had cancer, they had depression. We've dealt with people with suicidals. It was trying to be inspired by someone to get past a hurdle that you have to deal with. And once you start playing in those bars and you're building it up then you start moving into the arenas and whatnot, so everything started to grow. So we were seeing more people and as big a deal as cancer is and how it's something we try to beat. And every year we do the broad Street run for, for head for the cure and the national brain tumor society. And that's our goal to end this disease. I'm very taken aback at first, not any longer that cancer is just one of the things. It's just somebody looking for inspiration, something to give them that little poke to let them know that they're gonna be okay. So in no way do I look at it as, this is something about cancer. This is just about helping people.
0: Mm. Yeah, I I definitely can understand that. We all need that from time to time. And it's so easy to lose our way. Like you said, it could be depression, almost anything. And we can really find that that inspiration, that strength in another person who has that warrior-like mentality. Yeah, I I can definitely see how people... That's really
1: well said. I I absolutely agree with that. It could have nothing to do with the the situation you're going in, but a challenge is a challenge any way you look at it. A battle is a battle. You could all be fighting different opponents, but you're all in a battle. So if someone in that battle could help you out, even though you're fighting someone differently, all of a sudden, that's when we learn what, what, what true motivation and inspiration is. That's where it comes from. It comes from when you someone in their heart knows that's the person who gave me that little bump to get to be where I needed. That's memories that are never forgotten.
0: Absolutely. So like I was saying earlier, I highlighted so many parts (laughs) in your book. And uh, this this one part I want to read because this definitely was uh, an issue for me where it made me uh, change a perspective in my life just from uh, watching my grandmother. So you have here... Cancer has given me the gift of a change in perspective. It has given me the gift of truly learning how to live in the moment and appreciate the now, lessons that I am not sure I would have learned without fighting the battle I have fought. And I highlighted that because it made me think so many times we are in go, 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 got to get this accomplished, check this box, check this box, check this box, and then maybe I can breathe. No, I'm not going to breathe. I got to do this, this, this. So what are some tips you can give people that can be preventive? Because your book is a lot about preparation. Before they get to that point where something catastrophic, uh, something traumatic happens in life, what can they do to live in the moment and and appreciate that now?
1: Uh, I'll share a story, if you don't mind, to really enunciate this. And that's that... I remember when, right after I went through surgery and my kids were all going to a Montessori school in a town called Pennington, New Jersey, which is just over the Delaware river, just on the other side of New Jersey. It's real close to Philadelphia. And my wife said to me, do you want to come with us to drop the kids off? I had a second head. I was a mess. I'm home. I've been home for, you know, four, five days. I uh, went through a full craniotomy. I'm going to find out on day 10, the severity of my tumor, see what grade it is. Do I have to go through chemo and radiation? So I went in the car with her, put a huge hat on so nobody could see my head. And we take the kids to school. I had a five-year-old boy, a three-year-old boy, and a two-year-old daughter. And my wife takes the two boys into the Montessori school. And I take my little daughter. Her name's Lola. And we walk over to her, her classroom. And she takes her little pink jacket off. And she says, thank you for taking me to class, Daddy. I love you. And I thought, why don't I do this more? Why am I not? Why am I not? spending time with her why why do i normally have my phone when i'm taking her to class i'm thinking about my next appointment next it's not about me it's about her and the memories that i'm leaving for her are what i'm doing which means she's gonna follow and i saw this new life and i said this is so basic oh my car my my phone was in the car that day and i come back and i am euphoric going i am getting a gift here i don't know how long i'm going to be here physically i don't know what's going to happen but it's about the right now it's about there's certain times i have to make it about my children not make it about me so that afternoon at 12 o'clock my son luke is having his five-year-old father-son picnic and my wife looks at me, she goes, you do not have to go to this. You look a mess. I go, I'll never miss this. Not in a million years, never. And you think about the things we've missed before for business and all this that we've had to, but now you look back and I go, why? Why would I do that? So she brings me to the, to the school. It's 30 minutes where you sit next to your son outside with a brown bag lunch, and then you come back in and you leave. So my wife takes me up there because I can't drive. Luke's waiting for me at the door. He goes, I love you, daddy. Thank you for coming. And I am euphoric. I am rainbows and unicorns. I am so living in the moment. And we walk into the backyard. We got our little brown bag lunch and we sit down next to each other. And I look up and I saw every single dad sitting next to their child on their phone. And I thought, oh my God, that was me. I had a Blackberry and an iPhone at that point. And it took me to go through this life-changing event to realize I don't need my phone with me for 30 minutes because otherwise I'm teaching my son it's not about the person you're with. It's about you all the time. And the lesson I would tell people is when you go to the dinner table, it's not going to kill you to leave your phone someplace else. When you're spending time in the car with your kids, whatnot, it's okay to put the phone down sometimes. Otherwise, you're teaching them what you're doing is the right thing to do. And they're just going to mimic those actions later in life.
0: Yeah, how profound is that? So many times we overthink overlook uh what's it called analysis paralysis
1: mm-hmm.
0: and you're saying hey leave your phone in the car
1: 30 minutes yeah. Well, right. I, i'm a work. i was a workaholic i mean i'm someone you know i was tops of my industry all this other stuff it was all about success and good family life and all this it's this gonna sound really odd i don't mean it to be what's the point of being the richest guy in the cemetery if the memories you leave for your children are crap
0: true very true and it's the memories that make your legacy what it is. I mean, you can you can donate here and donate there. And people may take it for granted. Like, oh, yeah, 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 it's, it's the Matt Newman fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like, hey, no, let me tell you about Matt Newman. You know, <laughs> it That's becomes right. different. It, it it makes you in, immortal in some ways. And it's not like you're trying to be this, uh, like, this, greatest person ever, ever, ever to live on a place on the planet. I mean, you could be, but it's more like, hey, I I want to be of value and make these moments truly count.
1: Not only truly count, but what's really important. Listen, Mm -hmm. business is important to me. It's something I'm passionate about, something you want to be successful. And I love writing now and speaking and doing all these amazing things. There's nothing more important than my family because Mm -hmm. I went through the rigmarole that there could be a time I'm not with them. Which I might not remember, but they'll remember not having me. So, to not, you can't maximize every moment. But one of the things I try to focus on very much is never giving back the gifts I call that cancer has given to me. So many people, they, they go through things in life, they lose a lot of weight, then they gain it back. So many people change their mindset because they go through a terrible disease, then they go right back to the old way. Going back the old way is easy. The challenge is making sure we own the gifts that were given to us and never give them back. And I have a couple of things I do to make sure I never do that.
0: Yes. So, so important. So let's, let's talk about what's, what's an an average day for you now. Do you have morning rituals, evening rituals?
1: (laughs) Uh, So I'm a big believer in health and wealth that they're very intertwined together. I've always spoken about that and preached that from the financial perspective that uh, healthy living is married to wealthiness. You know, they, they, they're just work together because you have less hospital bills, all this other stuff like that, eating healthy. Um, it's always been a passion of mine. I'm usually up at five o'clock in the morning, every day, working out, um, getting myself to where I need to be mentally. Then I still have my career, um, wholesaling for financial services. I do a lot of podcasts. I do a lot of speeches. We have our own company that we do that through. Um, but it's interesting with this pandemic, what this pandemic has done for all the negativity that it has brought on and the people passing and getting sick, which is just heartbreaking. It's also taught us to be more efficient and how we can use a lot of these virtual tools that are given to us. So, having the ability to do these Zoom talks, and and I, I did a speech the other day for 4,000 people, I did it sitting at my desk. Usually, I have to fly out and go do all that stuff. That's time away from family. And listen, it's, there's a part of that you enjoy but I love that I finished and I went in and I had lunch with my kids because they're still partially homeschooling, partially going to school. So uh, it's still, my days are busier than they've ever been, but I 100% focus more on my wife and my children when I get the opportunity to, because there's some things that could wait.
0: Right, exactly. Is there another book in the works?
1: That's a great question. Um, That's a good one. I have some things I've thought about, but writing to me, is that release. I, like, I never sat down to write a message. I never sat down to do a vlog, a blog, anything like that. Something has to hit me for it to come out. I've written things in hospitals when I've gotten some news of, hey, because uh, I still get, now I get a check every six months. It was every three months, every four months. It's seven and a half years now. I'll be in the hospital on the week of November 6th. Am I ever getting a MRI, MRA with contrast? Usually when I'm waiting for results, I'm writing something down because that's my outlet. I have a couple of thoughts that I've put down. I, I did a TED talk on the fact that the U.S. education system is extremely flawed. The fact that we teach everything about getting into the real world, science, social studies. We teach nothing about money. Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about financial, I'm not talking about investing in your mutual funds. We don't tell people how to pick their benefits, When they graduate high school, if they go into the workforce, we don't tell people what a four hundred and one k is. And God forbid something bad happens to somebody. All of a sudden, now they have regret, resentment, negativity all on their shoulders because I should have done this. Could they didn't know any better. So I've put a lot of thoughts down, not only in the TED Talk, but to write something on the fact that we have to really alter this and give some type of education, not just to get people into the real world, but how to manage their lives as they change. What if I wasn't growing up in this industry and didn't know to do all the planning that I did? I would have been laying in a hospital thinking I'm the worst person in the world. And when you had negative attitude to trying to beat something, you're really putting yourself in a very difficult situation to come back. Attitude is far more important than most of us realize.
0: Oh yes. It reminded me uh, that part in your book where the the woman was standing up and she was saying how she was, she had better financial knowledge and planning because she now is is going through or was going through an illness and she's worrying about how she's going to pay for our medical bills on top of how she's going to get healthy.
1: I'll never forget that. She literally got carried out of that church and I'm not, I I couldn't believe it because she was screaming, listen to this guy, listen to this guy. And it was sad, but it was real. It was pure. it It was honest. And the planning you do, and this is the thing I put every year financial planning, right? You know, people think, oh, it's about investing. It has nothing to do with investing. It's legal documentation. You can go on legal Zoom for $19 and do your will, your power of attorney. You know when most people want life insurance? When they can't get it. You know when most people want long-term care? when they can't get it. We're all looking in the rear view mirror of, well, can I do this now? When, it, when I had a plan in place, I had my will, my power, everything done because that's what I preached every day. And what it allowed me to do is go done, done, done. Okay, cancer, what do we got to do? Let's fight. Chemo right? what, what do we got to do? Bring it on. Because I didn't have this negativity that I had to deal with wishing I had done more. I didn't have doubt for my family of what's going to happen to them if something doesn't work out. That was done by just checking the boxes. And the fact that our education system doesn't give a basic overview of that, frankly, to me, is just unacceptable.
0: Oh, I, I agree wholeheartedly. It's it's so amazing what we are forced to learn <laughs> versus what gets grossly pushed to the side and yet it seems like when i turned 18 i had every credit card company in the the world it <laughs> seemed like hey take our credit card you pre-approved 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 and you know it's it one of those things like okay wait a minute like i have some knowledge here but what am i really getting myself into what's apr what's this what's that right. so yeah it's, it's it's flawed on so many levels i agree so it, it makes me think what's what's like what's one step someone can take to just learn an ounce about financial services just anything to help them prepare what's one thing to get them started at least
1: yeah it's it's a great question i would tell you when you start to amass money and everybody's level of wealth is is different go get a financial advisor go get someone you trust go get someone good who can handle it for you cuz it removes the emotion from everything mm. but the basics i would tell you is that I'm a big believer in life insurance, not simply whatever it's going to be, the cost, whatever you got to figure out term. It doesn't matter. The reason I say that is it's seven and a half years later. I'm completely uninsurable. I don't have to worry about it. I have everything done. So it, as you start to have children, this doesn't matter for the single person as much, but as you start to build a family, just remember, God forbid the unexpected happens for an unbelievably small amount of money. You could do this direct, there's ways to do it. You can you can have something in place that just gives some semblance of positivity and will enlighten and heighten your legacy to your family that you did something for them when they were there for you. And nobody wants to, have resentment from their family thinking, oh my God, now we have no money. Kids can't go to school, can't do this. And then you're, what is your legacy after that? So many of us have that in your job. You could check a box and get that. And that's why we do such a bad job. I'm not telling about to buy it. I'm saying we need to educate people on, do you have the right amount of insurance? If you're married, you have children. Do you have a will? Do you have a power of attorney? And the power of attorney is if you become incapacitated the person you want will be carrying out the wishes of what you want to get done. It's 19 bucks on zoom to get one done. Why would we not? It's because nobody teaches anybody. They have, most people don't even know what it is.
0: Crazy, yeah. Crazy, it's, right? It, it's so crazy. So many other things get... Uh, forced to the the front, you know, you got to get a job and you got to say, you got to put your pennies here. And it's like, okay, but what about all the other things? And it's so unfortunate because uh, sometimes I would see an an older person walking down the street and they're holding groceries and they're just so, uh, you you could tell that they're hurting. They're walking slow. And I'm just thinking, oh man, I, I wonder if someone in their family could help them, you know, I'm a stranger, you know, they may not want me to (laughs) help them with their groceries. I don't know. I don't want you to know where I live, but it it makes me think sometimes even about myself, like, what do I need to do? You know, what would that Mm -hmm. look like for me? And it's like a a domino effect of the woulda could have should have. So I think that's really amazing that you are, spreading your word and your knowledge about what people can do to get prepared so they're not trying to as you were saying before you know look in the rearview mirror like can i get that life insurance now mm, no not really
1: yeah and, and it's funny i asked people one time it goes do you sell that stuff I go, no you're talking to somebody who has a better perspective on the basics of planning simply because i grew up in the house of a financial advisor it became financial services became my career almost 25 years ago. If I didn't grow up in this situation, I'm not so sure I would have been in that, the, the position I was in because nobody taught me anything outside of my parents and my profession. So it made me have a better understanding that we have an obligation to just educate people. Then whatever decision you make, you make, but the more education you have, the better decision you can make on what's in the best interest of your family. And I remember right before my first son was born, my dad sits down with me and he says, uh, about to be a dad. I'm like, oh yeah, man, that's right. And he goes, "Um, what do you say every day? I say the job of the financial advisor is to be there when things are bad, to give people good news at the deepest and darkest of times, to let them know that they have a plan in place that gives them independence and dignity during times of times of turmoil. He said, okay, do you do everything you say? I go, absolutely. I was a big believer in you practice everything you preach. He goes, did you do your will? I'm Like, no, not yet. He goes, did you do power of attorney or life insurance? I'm like, dad, just did the tough mutter. just ran the broad street run. I'll get to it. He's like, so you don't do everything you say. And I just nod in my head. And I remember thinking I'm about to take on more responsibility as a father. I have an obligation to my family to just update things and just get them done. What if I didn't have a dad saying that because he was in the industry? And what if I didn't get what he was saying because I'm not in this industry? And that's the majority of people. So we owe them some educational process to just give them information so they can make the proper decisions going forward as their lives change.
0: Mm, Yeah, that was so powerful. What if I didn't have a dad who was in the industry and what if I didn't understand basically the lingo Mm-hmm. to get what he was saying. Yeah, it's it's a huge disconnect. And, and e- even with the communication aspect, some people become afraid to talk about finances and insurance, anything else that falls under that preparation umbrella, they are really nervous, they don't want to, in some ways, expose themselves. Because like you, you were saying, there's the shame, the regret, the guilt, of where they should have been. And I think we really need to lower those walls and just say, Hey, look, it's not your fault. You know, you, you weren't taught.
1: That's right. And, and I've had that conversation with people. Don't hold yourself accountable for this in any way whatsoever, but let's work on something now. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's always been, Hey, can I do business? I'm like, that's not what I'm, I'm just here to help. I got no dog in the fight, but, but I know what's going on. And let me point you in the right direction to get things done. And that's a, uh, it's interesting when I get messages from people and uh, Hey, I, I read your book and you know, I just, I just got my, my estate planning done and I did all this and it made me realize, thank you for writing that. And like I said, at the beginning, I'm like, that's cool. I did not write it for that reason in any way, but if that's how you're taking it phenomenal, you made my entire day. That's awesome. Cause I can tell you, I just wrote it to make myself feel better. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Hey, whatever works, right? <laughs> right
1: no, it's, I, I'm honored when I hear that because I was just sharing my story, my belief, my everything as a catharsis. And if someone could take something from it to make to do something that they feel they should have done, but they still have time to do, I'm humbled and honored to be a part of that. Honestly,
0: yeah, I'm I'm just putting this out there. I feel like your book should be part of the mandatory reading in <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> high school. That you know, you know, summer readings. <laughs>
1: I have no problem with that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's um it's really something to think about because just like I was saying earlier, it's raw, it's real. It is. Uh, there are a lot of learning experiences that comes along with your book, and the best part about it is it's from someone who wrote it with the intent to you know have that outlet for themselves and yeah. so so many times especially now like you were saying you know you didn't want to be part of social media so many times now with social media it's it's an image and it's not always who that person is so it's refreshing to hear like hey look I'm going to be honest with you I really wrote this book for myself
1: <laughs> oh yeah listen I, I say that in speech I you know I have people go hey you know when you know when you wrote this, like, what was your point? I'm like, I got to tell you, it was just something that alleviated fear and anxiety because I don't care who you are. You go through these life-changing situations you're in, you're, you're pushing something away. It's not all positives that are in there. And I look at, as I said something earlier, my mom was a teacher. I think she planted those seeds inside of me a long, long time ago. They just didn't bloom till after something bad happened. And I thank her for the gift of writing, but it took me until I was almost forty to figure that out.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, our our parents definitely know us, <laughs> and they know just how to plant those seeds. They know how to steer us in the right direction. So much so that when it finally comes full circles, like aha. I see what you did there
1: yeah that's exactly right exactly right and that's and, and I wrote a lot about that in the book too of things where you know I didn't like what I heard but it made much more sense later on
0: yeah so when this is our second to final question yeah when when people come to you what are some of the questions you wish they would ask you which can kind of uh, cut down on the learning curve because I know people as we were saying, had that, that guilt, that shame and other things. So what are something like a direct question? Like, Hey, Matt, blah, blah, blah.
1: Hmm. That's a tough one. Um, the questions go in such a wide variety. Um, that's a great question. I guess I would say the question that I get a lot of, and you're probably not expecting to hear this is, is it okay if I talk about this with you? Anybody listening to this? Yes, it's fine. It, it is. We're, we're a family of warriors. And that family is supposed to be there for family members. So any, you never have to ask me, it's okay if I ask you this. Feel free to reach out to me from DM, through my website, whatever it's going to be. But don't feel any, hey, is it okay if I do this? It's okay. Because we're all supposed to be here for each other. We just have to go through some pretty shitty times to learn that sometimes.
0: Someone's going to hear that and going to feel relieved. It's okay. That, that part right there is going to hit them. And then that to ask. So many people feel like it's not okay to ask. So that it, was perfect. It's
1: okay. Absolutely. Don't be bashful.
0: Any final words?
1: You know, the one thing I, I would say is that you never know what's going to happen going forward. One of the things I think we tried to, to get a better understanding of today was the lessons that you take from the times of difficulty that you go through. Mm-hmm. It's hard to live in the moment. And I had someone say to me, go, how, do you, how do you stay on top of that? So find something a note, something that you could always look at that will always jar your memory to remember you. I found something for me. If you want me to share it, I'm more than happy to share it. And um, something that I'll never give back what I took from a bad experience. And what I did for that was, you can't see it here, but these surgeons did such a good job. I had this enormous C on my head. It's staples, God forbid, I couldn't even tell you how many stitches. Well, you can't really see it any longer. And one time I'm sitting there talking to the, uh, to the surgeon and I said, I wish you didn't do such a good job. He goes, what? <laughs> I go, I-, I wish I had this big, massive scar and I could see it all the time. He goes, are you joking? I go, no. Every time I get in a bad mood, every time I get upset, I would love to look in my rearview mirror, see some huge scar and go, calm down, man. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about it. So what's interesting is when I started writing, I started writing and I said I was doing it to get it off my chest. And I sent out this, uh, and a friend of mine sends me a picture. He goes, I can't stop reading your stuff. I'm like, oh, thanks, man. He goes, no, it, it's amazing. He goes, you remind me of a lion. And he sends me a picture of a lion. He goes, you should incorporate this. I could speak freely around this, right? I go, the, f- the hell am I going to do a freaking lion? Like, what the hell is this guy sent me a lion for? It's so stupid. And. One of the things I always say is, this is my journey. Cancer is just along, just along for the ride. I own this. And I, I, I say that, and it, I try to always remember it. And one day I'm writing, and the picture of the lion's in the corner of my computer, and he's just giving me, a, and I'm looking at it. And he's got this look in his eye like, I'm the king of the jungle. If you don't like it, I'll just rip your fucking head off right there. And I'm like, hmm. That lion could go with some of my <laughs> I love it. right there. So I started combining the lion and the warrior because that's what I did. So the first thing I did right after that is I got half my arm done in a lion tattoo. Then I got the rest of it done in warriors. Then I got cubs put on there, which are my children. And, the, and I got my whole sleeve done to tell my entire story for one reason. So I never forget and give back these gifts. I didn't do it for anyone but myself. And every time I take my shirt, off, every time I get in the shower, every time I'm wearing a short-sleeve shirt, I could see something that always says, "Never give this back. You earned every bit of it and own it."
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, and your your friend was right. I I just zoomed through your book. <laughs> it's like you really can't put it down. And I, I love the the, the tattoo and and the meaning behind that. Yeah, I, I feel like when we do have a reminder. Uh, it's it's one of those things that's like yeah calm down or yeah this is what you're doing it for yeah keep going yeah you'll get over this you'll get through it you'll get around it yeah 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 that's amazing
1: yeah and just that 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 retrospective on life and knowing that we can go through a lot of things and we can and we resort to old ways but if we could just get a little reminder and I coach a lot of people on put a note someplace do something this I I listen I've I'll tell you one last story and I'll so not to take this too long but. I have a good friend of mine whose wife's gone through major liver cancer. She had to get, uh, or excuse me, liver surgeries, had to get a liver replacement at the Mayo Clinic. I mean, just, unbelievable. they're amazing people. And they just fight and fight and fight. They're, they're an honor to be friends with. And one day he comes up to me and he goes, hey man, I've been carrying this in my pocket and I want to give it to you. What are you talking about? He goes, when you got sick, I carried this coin called St. Peregrine. I'm like, I don't know St. Peregrine. I'm Jewish. My wife's Catholic. What's going on? He goes, St. Peregrine is the saint that helps protect people from cancer. I've been holding on to it every day for a couple years. I'm giving it to you. I go, really, Johnny? He goes, yeah. I take it everywhere with me. I take that and a little stone that my son gave me. I have the tattoo. I have that. When I speak, I keep it in my pocket. I touch it now and then just to never give back. So find something. doesn't matter what it is, but we can all find something that every time we reference it, we look at it, we touch it, we remind ourselves, take it easy. Let's remember what I've been through and why I'm here. Mm -hmm. And let's take lessons from that.
0: Yes. Remember what I've been through and where I'm at right now. What can I say? Matt Newman, starting at the finish line, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. And I know everyone is going to be benefiting from this interview and your book.
1: Oh, well, thank you so much. It It It's an absolute honor. And I was really looking forward to it.
0: Same here. And I'm going to put the link to your website so that way they can get your book and connect with you. So as always, Spiritual trailblazers, I am rooting for you. I'm sending you so many blessings. Remember to be kind to yourself. Until next time. As always, Spiritual trailblazer. thank you for tuning in. Do make sure to stop by and visit me at tiamariejohnson.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe. Last but not least, be kind to yourself. I'm rooting for you. And I'm sending you so many blessings until next time.